<laughs> we are back for another Katasi healing talk with our, with our beautiful friends, Laura and Laura Haggis. And of course, and of course Kay, Kay Kodal-Whitaker, the author of The Reluctant Shaman and Sacred Link, and all amazing teacher and healer and guide and beautiful woman. And my name is Helmut, and we have a, an amazing show for you today. We are talking about Kay's, Kay's teacher, Kay's experience with her teachers. And the title is, How Alluringly Different the Hedekas Were from Modern World, world People, and I Wanted That. Give me just a second. All right. I'm going to read what we wrote up for this show, so we cover all the all the basics here. So Kay apprenticed with the Mano and Chia Hedeka, two Peruvian Katasi shaman elders, for over 13 years. She shares the teachings they gave to her in her books, The Reluctant Shaman and Sacred Link. In this healing talk, Laura, Laura and I talk with Kay about the Hedekas, how they were, why they were so alluring to Kay, and why she always wanted what they had. How they knew and embodied so many things that modern world people don't have, things that are essential for human life that modern people haven't had or experienced for a very, very long time, if ever. Their solidness, happiness, incredible knowledge, good health, and spiritual gifts that they had. And we will ask Kay to put that in contrast with what the people of the modern world have, or rather, what they are missing. So, there it is, Kay. Let's get started. Enjoy. Well, my teachers, Dermano and Chia Hedeka of Central Eastern Peru, the Andes, and they were they were remarkable, remarkable people, and very, very different than anybody I had ever met before. They. On the one hand, extremely charming, especially Debano. He he could just charm the pants off anybody if he wanted to. And Chia was, uh, she well, when I first met her, and probably for first like a couple of years, she she, she just scared the bejesus out of me. I had I had no comprehension of who she was, how she was, how she got to be what she was. She was so different. These were older people when I met them. They had, you know, a lot of white hair, some wrinkles, and, but they were extremely energetic, physically active, able, very, very limber, um, they just didn't fit the picture of, of elders with white hair that, that I grew up with in America. They're just not like modern Americans at all. The modern Americans that I knew that I would call older or elder, uh, they were always kind of stiff and, you know, walking a little different, not like a young person, not limber, not, uh, not steady with their balance. You could tell their balance was compromised. And 
everybody thought of people that were getting older like that as being mentally compromised as well, not capable anymore. Uh, it would be a you know a good thing when if they could take care of themselves in their own home, and but otherwise they they're going to need help. They need somebody to help them do all the daily things: clean the house, clean themselves, cook food, uh, all that kind of thing. And you know maybe their hearing's not getting any better, and. You'd have to talk real loud around them so they could understand. And the headaches were the opposite of that. They, you know, if you didn't see their hair in their face, you'd probably think they were in their 20s or 30s. And goes, you know, going to the gym all the time. Their weight was, you know, right on, right what it should be. Uh, they seemed very, very healthy. The the elders from my culture, American um, elders, they they did not seem healthy. They were wheezing and coughing and, and you know blowing their nose or rubbing their eyes all the time. Or a lot of glasses. Um, maybe they had a hearing aid. They're always complaining about something with their body. Something hurts. Something doesn't work right. Um, they'd, they'd act really stiff and sore every time they went to sit down or stood up or uh, went for any kind of a walk. They seemed to run out of energy, run out of breath real easy. The headaches were very different, or completely, complete opposite. They, they could wear me out, and I was in my twenties. And they, I don't know exactly what you know how old they were. I don't think they actually knew from the you know the way we count years. I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think they knew that. I, I never heard a a number mentioned, but. They had to have been in their 60s or 70s, I would say. Definitely had wrinkles. They obviously had lived most of their life outside and, you know, with sun exposure, air, rain, the elements. They seemed quick, clever, knowledgeable. And they definitely held they held a knowledge <laughs> that was not seen in, in our modern world at all. No matter of what age, I'd never seen it. I'd never seen it on the TV. You know, back when I started with them, it was a se in the 70s. I think that's the right date. <laughs> in the 70s. Um, I was still in my 20s. And they could wear me out. We'd go on hikes. We'd go on hikes down the beach in Santa Cruz. This is Santa Cruz, California, where I met them. And I would be, I'd be worn out. I mean, with you know, not having gone all that far, I'd be worn out. And they were, they were fine. They were, they just kept going and going and going. They're like the Energizer Bunny. We'd go into hikes around the Santa Cruz campus because I was going to the University of California at Santa Cruz, which is an incredible campus. It's so beautiful. Um. surrounding the campus uh, on most sides. There's this one little patch going in the front of the campus down the hill, which is a meadow, a bare, bare meadow and some parking lots. But all the rest of it is redwood forest. And it just 
you know, backed into more redwood forest. It just kept going and going and up into the hills. And they'd like to take me on hikes. Uh, I know they thought I probably needed a lot more exercise than I actually had. Uh, but they were, boy, they were in so much better condition. Now these, by hiking standards, these are not real difficult trails through the redwoods. Now they've been well tromped. The students often take off into the, uh, the trees and walk around, do their thing. But you know, it was left pretty wild. There's a one place in particular is like a little canyon with a stream, year-round stream, and a little bitty waterfall. The waterfall probably was a little more than twice my height. So I'm thick five six, so maybe you know twelve-ish feet, thirteen feet, something like that. So it was a little waterfall, but it was just, it was such a pretty spot. And it had a little kind of a pool at the top of the waterfall and another little pool at the bottom. <clears throat> and I, uh, we'd go there, especially when it was just me and Chia. And it was time for more women women medicine, female medicine. And so that is a perfect place by the water. And it would always be hot when we went out there. Uh, so we'd take our shoes off and have our feet in the water and sit close to the waterfall in one of those little pools. Their knowledge was it just exuded out of them. It just it radiated out of them how knowledgeable they were, how, how clear-minded they were, clear-eyed, clear-minded, clear-thinking and feeling. And I noticed this when I first met them, the, from the very first time. The first time I met Domano, it was a, a tremendous storm. There was lightning and thunder, which is very, very rare on the central coast of California. And uh, we lived up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I just had to, had to go down by the ocean and watch it and feel it and get wet. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, by that area's calculations, that's a, a fair distance. That's a pretty good distance. I did not have a car. I didn't own one. I owned two kids. I was raising two kids, but I did not have a car. Um, but I was living with a boyfriend and he had a truck and, I took the truck into town and he was there watching the kids and I planned to be back in time um, for whatever their needs were that day. And I went down to the, the coast um, with the beaches and the beaches were kind of up off the sand. This is big. There's a cliff there. Not terribly high, but a cliff. And there's a walking path on the cliff. And um, in a couple of spots, there's places to park your car. And there's two-lane road that went all the way around the beach and down, um, down into the highway. It's just two-lane road, but it, it's Highway 1. goes up to San Francisco. And I I went down there, parked at one of those spots. Nobody was there. There's no cars, no traffic. This was a huge storm. The waves were coming all the way up onto the walking path. So I was getting drenched with these waves. 
just standing there and it was raining and it was thunder and lightning and it got closer and closer and it was it was striking like a couple of strikes were I could have touched them I could have reached out and touched it and that's it's like it's deafening and it's so bright that you end up with this giant spot in your eye and you can't see anything for a while. I probably should have been scared. <laughs> if I think logically about it and lightning and you're standing up and you're wet and you're, you're like a lightning pole and I, I could have been hit pretty easily, but I wasn't scared. Down the path, the walking path, was Damano walking towards me. I hadn't met them yet. This is my first time meeting him. And he's walking briskly. And he's very upright. And he's very agile. And he had on um, kind of like Mexican peasant clothes, a white shirt. and It's baggy and white baggy pants. And I don't know, maybe some sandals or something like that. And he's yelling at me and saying something in, you know, it's a real strong accent. <laughs> His hair is wet. He looks muddy. He looks, <laughs> he looks like he lived under the bridge. And that scared me. And him walking towards me scared me even more than that. And I, I just, I really, uh, the whole inside of me just kind of panicked. <laughs> froze for a minute, but then uh, I could understand what he's saying. And he's saying, I have something for you. I have something that is yours. I have something for you. And I thought, oh, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see you later. <laughs> and I ran to the truck and tried to get myself in. And I'm like, I'm all shaking and wet. When I got in the car and I got it, the truck and I got it started and I took off and I didn't look back and I was just, you know, very glad to get away from him. And I drove back up um, the roads that, that go back up to the mountains, went home and tried to forget about that. But the, he he had a an energy. He had a, um, you know, he was wet enough and messy enough, and his hair was all, you know, hanging around. He's got some mud or sand or something on him. I could not tell his age, and I didn't try to look for it. I was just a lot too much in a hurry to get out of there. So I thought it was a fairly young man. With, with some severe problems, who lived under one of the bridges, which was a common thing those days in Santa Cruz. We had a lot of homeless people, a lot of street uh, people that um, you just never knew what they were going to do or say, or um, most of them harmless. But this guy did not look harmless. And he didn't feel harmless. He had, you know, it's in retrospect. He had so much energy. I mean, he had so much energy about him and and just coming out and coming at me. But that was not normal. That was normal American people are not like that. <laughs> On the one hand, it made me very curious, and on the other hand, it scared the bejesus out of me, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I forgot about him. A couple of weeks later, I had um, gone into the campus from the house, and we, the guy I was living with, my boyfriend, was a student too, so we often drove back and forth together in the one vehicle. And 
I was in the Stevenson coffee shop. That was a favorite place to hang out because they had this incredibly good French roast coffee. And of course, pastries, which at the time um, was a very big treat for me. So I would take my journal or I'd take a book I was reading. So I'd be writing or I'd be reading and sitting at a table and, and they had incredible music. They, they played, um, gosh, what's, what's the name of it? Reggae. Reggae. Reggae music. I loved it. I loved it. Had never heard it before. And it was pretty new back then. So listening to that music and, you know, the coffee and the pastry and by myself oh, was a quiet moment. I know any of you who've, who've raised children and, and especially mommies at home taking care of kids, little kids, those private moments of, of some kind of silence or the music you love are sort of like golden, golden, sacred moments. So I'm just really reveling in this and sitting there at, at my little table and I, I happened to look up and um, there was something, something banged like a wind and the chair or something banged on the window outside. So I, I looked up and nothing's broken or anything, but sitting there at the table by the window was Damano. And in pretty much similar kind of clothes, a little cleaner. This time, he looked old. He did, I don't know what he did. He was a good actor. I mean, he was a really, really good actor when he wanted to be. And he put on his poor old man act. And I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. I didn't realize it was the same guy until he got a little closer. And he's, and he's saying, because he got up and he started coming to the table, and he's saying the same words. I have something for you. I have something that is yours. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. No, no, no. Uh, I, back then, I was very shy and I was extremely reluctant to be assertive or be contrary to people, say contrary or rude things, especially to an elder, especially to a crippled elder. When he got up and he came to the table, he's, he's got a, some kind of a stick and he's, he's limping and, and it doesn't look like he's going to make it <laughs> to the table. And he finally gets there, and, and he plops in the chair. And uh, I just didn't know how to say, go away. You scare me. You know, I, whatever it is you're selling, I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. And it's definitely not mine. Adios. <laughs> but I couldn't say a thing. And it wasn't until at least a year or two, maybe more later, that I, I realized one of the ways that I, I grew up, the training that I grew up with, which, which we would call our cultural indoctrination, our masks, was one that you do not ever contradict an elder, especially somebody much older. And you, you don't talk back to them. You don't order them around. You're never, never rude. And I was absolutely frozen. I, I, I didn't know how to say the things that I really wanted to say to him. I was thinking or feeling. I, I, was, I just listened. And he told me about um, where he came from. He was part of a tribe, and they they had very special knowledge, and this knowledge was for me, that it had to come up here to the States 
and it had to come to me. It was mine. That like an inheritance. And, and I I thought, well, that's a pretty pretty wild line. <laughs> I don't know what his trip was, but I I didn't believe it. But there was something about his eyes, even though he looked really old. And, you know, there was a lot of other people in the coffee shop. And one of the things I had been trained about in public, you cannot be rude to an old person or a crippled person. And you have to be as kind as you can, help them, whatever they might need. And... So I was, I was just frozen there. So he, he goes on to, to say, you know, you're going to come over to my house and you're going to meet my wife, Chia, and we're going to teach you. And we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. This is very good. This is a lot of fun. And I found myself nodding. Okay. He said, Tuesday, you come Tuesday. I remember Tuesday. I, I have no idea what, what date that might have been. <laughs> That's frozen in my mind. Tuesday. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm going, oh, yes, yes, that's fine. That's, I will be there. You can count on that. Now you take care. Don't get riled up. <laughs> and When Tuesday rolled around, I had no intention of going. That's It just scared the bejesus out of me. Even though he's all crippled. And, you know, I, I could beat him up in a flash. He's all crippled. So <laughs> I mean, he couldn't do me any harm. And I was intrigued about all the things that he said and the kind of things that he wanted to teach me, which were like, the true ways of the universe and how humans are supposed to be. And when, when humans are, have healed themselves, have raised themselves in the right way, and their mind is fresh and, and free, that we can learn how to do remarkable things, you know, telepathy and, telekinesis and teleportation and all kinds of stuff like that. And that's very, at the time, I was really, you know, interested in anything like that. Uh, intrigued me, but I had no intention of going. Just like, uh, no, 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 no. Never, never, never. But it Tuesday rolled around and I found myself hopping on the Santa Cruz bus that went almost door to door to from my door to his door. He lived down closer to the beach. And so I went there and it was just him. And we talked for a while and he, he was, he was just sitting on this bench and he didn't look decrepit. I was thinking of him as being all crippled and, and hurting and stuff. But he, he didn't really look like that. And then I uh, said, well, we got to go down on the beach and go meet my wife, Chia. So let's go. And he hopped up in this. He, he like did a somersault off the bench and, and was just boing on two feet. That was my first time I ever fell off the web. That's what he told me. I, my web got torn a little bit and I fell off. And I don't even know how to explain what that feels like. It's your reality of what you think is. You're really, 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 really sure that it, the world is just like this. And, you know, you got this and you got this and you do this and you go here and, and this is what everything is like. And... All of that's ripped apart. It's all gone. And you have some other reality sitting in front of you. 
I wasn't afraid of him. For some reason, I, I didn't feel afraid at all. I was just brain scrambled. <laughs> Every neuron in my body was like scrambled, either numb or tingling or... Uh, but I managed to, you know, follow him, went out the door with him down to the beach and we're walking. There's nobody on the beach. And then finally way out there on the sand is this little figure. And he goes, oh, that's my wife. That's Chia. And so oh, you're going to get to meet Chia. She's real excited. You're going to love her. <laughs> As we got closer and I saw her and her demeanor, that's the first time I ever saw her. Her demeanor, she was so energized and full of vitality and very straight. The women of her age in my culture that I knew sat on the porch in their rocking chairs and they're, they're all bent and crumbled and and they're just you're rocking and sipping on their tea, or maybe there's something else in their tea, whatever it is they're sipping away on. And they, they're they not considered able to do much of anything. They're becoming worthless in our culture. And their minds are dwindling away. And this this woman was the opposite. She was... She had a lot of white hair and she had plenty of wrinkles, but the, the whole attitude, the walk, the steadiness, the speed at which she was coming towards us, and the closer she got, the more afraid I got. She scared me to death. I don't know why. I'm, I knew that she sure did not look like the women I knew or ever heard of, or saw on TV, or in a commercial, or, or anything. And I didn't know that how that could be. How could, how could she be? How could that exist? And it's coming right towards me. And it wants to say hi to me. <laughs> and I think, I don't remember if I actually said hi if I could actually, you know, make a word come out, because uh, I was, I was really amazed, and I was very afraid of her. And in hindsight, through the years, I realized what made me so afraid. She was completely free. She was a true, true free person. She didn't care what other people thought. She knew her who she was, what she was, what her place was, what she was there to do. And at the moment, she was there to, to greet me and, and start to teach me and start this long relationship to pass on her tribal knowledge. I did not grasp that in the beginning at all. I did not understand what that was or what that meant or how the two of them could be so able, so knowledgeable, and knowledgeable in so many things and learn fast, and be able to, to see, to really see, notice things in the world, in our culture, and other people, in me, in them. Nothing got past those, those two. And as a couple, they were very loving they were definitely still very much in love with each other and showed it in, in public, and which was a little odd in Santa Cruz 
for people of that age group to, to behave like that. <laughs> But I knew whatever it was that they had, I wanted it. And, and however they got it, whatever they did to get themselves that way, to, uh, to be so incredible, I wanted it. I wanted it really badly. I could feel it all the way through my body and my mind, my heart, everything. We often uh, like to go right to the boardwalk. Santa Cruz has this big boardwalk, and they've got rides, big Ferris wheel. They had, I think they had two of them, a really big one and a smaller one called the Wild Mouse that was really very wild. That one always made me afraid, but they loved to go on them, especially Domano. Loved, loved that stuff. He loved being uh, around all the people on the boardwalk and in the sand. And uh, sometimes he would play the old man. He'd be playing tricks on me, <laughs> knowing that I would feel utterly bound and compulsive to, you know, take care of him, make people see that I'm a, I was a good, I was, I'm a good caretaker. I'm a good granddaughter. I'm sure that's what they thought was related somehow that I, I could get him back up off the sand to the card. He'll be okay. He's okay. He's not having a fit anymore. <laughs> He would, he would do all kinds of, of weird stuff. One of the ones that struck me <laughs> really, it, it's funny and it's, it's still funny to this day. He was being real crippled and making it a very difficult time for me to get him upright and moving and hanging on to him and getting him through the sand. It was particularly crowded that day. There was a, a lot of people, you know, like laying on their towels in the sand, the beach, and he was falling on, on their towels and kicking them and uh, like it's an accident. But in one of these movements, he made this huge fart. He just <laughs> really, really, really loud, long, and I knew I was not supposed to laugh at him because people would think that I was being unkind to my elder. I'm supposed to be taking care of this person. And <laughs> I was trying really, really hard not to laugh and you know, look a little more serious, try to get him up. He he had like anchors in his feet or something. <laughs> He, made, he was kind of small. You know, you'd think I could lift him up if, if I was, you know, had the right angle, but I couldn't. I, I couldn't budge him. And he would just go through all these different antics like this. And he's trying to point out to me the, the social programming. Didn't talk about it. Didn't tell me about it. He would do it over and over and over until I had figured it out. He's showing me the social programming of my own culture and how swamped I was in it and that it kept me from seeing what was really there or enjoying myself or having, having any kind of fun or... Uh, He's definitely a, a good storyteller. Both of them in their in their own way. Chia, uh, a little bit more reserved. She wasn't quite as wild as he was. 
But I loved, I loved every minute of studying with them. And the more I was with them, the more I learned, the more I understood what it was they knew, what were they trying to teach me. And I realized how much knowledge they actually had and carried, what kind of, of knowledge and healing knowledge and medicine knowledge and social knowledge, people psychology knowledge, heart knowledge and body knowledge. And I, I just, the more I studied, the more I wanted the more I knew was there, and that made me want more and more and more. And I still do, even to this day. So what, what are you guys curious about? Curious or just in awe of, I think, too. I think, um, first, thank you. I just, you know, I, we've read the book and heard the stories. And just today, even having more details of your experience during that time is just incredible. I, I just love every, I feel like every, Every time I hear this story, there's a little bit more shared a little bit more or there's a new feeling, but I, um, that what you just, I, I mean, it just, uh, I can, I can feel your love for them too. So I'm a little choked up <laughs> talking about it. And we just, I think being able to learn from you who learn from them, we have, we feel that you've allowed us and you speak at that connection with Damano and Chia too. You know, I think we, some of us do where it doesn't, you know, there's um, a relationship because of you with them still. Um, but it, studying with you a while back, it finally, you just said it in one of that last sentences, knowledge keepers you know, that's, that's not always available to us anymore. I mean, I, I constantly am repeating the difference between an older and an elder. You know, my, my mom was Southern and you respected your elders, but in time and passing, I mean, you have a different experience with olders and elders than I do uh, because of your background, but they, the more I look at historically spending time and the experience with my time with you is, and listening to your experience with Damana and Chia, you know, there's, I, most of my life I've experienced olders. You know, listening to olders, listening to their historic recollections, taking care of them because they're one foot in the grave. You know, it's like they're, you know, it was, it's a different form of respect, but there was very little um, of that knowledge keepers. Historic sharing is definitely there. But I, I did not, before spending time and studying with you, had the experience of um, an elder, a knowledge keeper. That experience that you're, you described with them, I kept, I, you know, I remember the first time I met you, Kate, you scared the shit out of me. I, I mean, I, I, there was this balance of like, I want her to see me. Don't look at me. You know, it's like, 
I remember you gave us the spiral and you're walking out of the that building in uh, Galisteo, I think it was. And I'm like, there she is. I may get back in my car now and like reload, repack just so she moves on to somebody else and not makes eye contact with me. <laughs> but it was like, but I also wanted it. You know, it was just like, there's that rattling of something more, something here. Um, you know, it, it, it took me a couple of years just to feel the unconditional love radiating off of you because all I felt was the fear. And I'm like, but I wanted wanted what you had, you know, too. Like you said, there was something there. I didn't know if I could achieve it, but if I hung out long enough, maybe osmosis would kick in and I would learn more than I had for sure. <laughs> But that elders versus olders keeps coming, you know, the the knowledge keepers. I mean, you said it at the end and I'm like, exactly. It was like, okay, you're like this amazing. I know a lot of it you got from Damano and Chia, but I also know with time they gave you the tools to keep expanding that knowledge and I'm 10 years in and yeah, we have not even touched the surface of what I could. And that's where it's addictive for me is like this, this vast of information because you, I don't know, I'm going to stop talking and let you talk because. <laughs> well, I read your book book first in like 2006 and, uh, I would always think about, oh, in fact, I don't know how many times I read your book, but I read it many times. She's got it right here. <laughs> and um, if you just look at the tabs and notes. This isn't even my first book. I got, you, know, you should see all the writings. And stuff. Anyway, um, so at the very beginning when he was trying to connect with you, and I, you know, it's, reading it, I, I felt like I was there too. And, and I would have been scared as well. I probably would have been a little bit more scared of the lightning, but, <laughs> but no, I, I'm in Kay's camp. I'm like, can I touch it? <laughs> but, but, but my thoughts were is you were presented with an opportunity to learn from someone that had a vast amount of knowledge in various areas. And it was like, I have something for you. I know, I wrote that down. Uh, yeah, I have something for you and it's yours. And it's the same thing with this. I have something for you and it's yours. And there's a part of me when I was reading the book, I knew that that message that you received, the teachings that you received was something for me. It's something that's in me that you know, it waking up and helping me remember that it's mine. Too. That's what she said. You had said that in the, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It, your words just in this talk said it was mine and man, the whole, my whole body just sitting here rattled. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, it's mine. It's mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's funny how I, I I read your book, and of course I tried implementing a lot of the stuff that was in it. I I knew that at the, that particular time I was with little kids, and there was just <laughs> really no opportunity for me to really find you. Although I did search for you and knew you were close, but <laughs> yeah, they, um, we didn't have the internet as vibrant no, as no. we do. We didn't, but um, I did try implementing it. I, I didn't really quite get the song part until really uh, being more under your tutelage and, and teaching, and, and, and then I got it. But um, I, I, you're, you were given this opportunity, as we were, through your book, and... And in that, I learned that, you know, the universe continues to try and talk to us, continues to try and give us the messages that are in this book. <laughs> you just have them. They're all in you because you were taught by the masters. You know, you have that ancient knowledge. And we were presented with it. And we could either pick it up and run <laughs> like 
<laughs> or we could face it and implement it and change our lives completely. But what I've gl glimpsed in here is I want that too. I, I want that. I didn't, you know, up until that point in my life, I didn't have that. Um, I was the social, I judged myself all the time. I was not happy. And then it wasn't until I started implementing this vast knowledge that you have that it's totally changed my life and perceived things differently. And I learned that you can be presented with stuff and it'll keep coming back to you and keep coming back to you. The teachings will in some way keep coming back to you. That's why some, you know, when I was in the hospital and, and then I got home and I was had broken and I saw your book and it's like, Oh, the teachings. And it just, you know, they keep getting presented back to you, whether it's this way or first about somebody else, or you get to make choices. You get to choose to do the teachings or not do the teachings there's, and I, I don't know, through all the teachings I've learned, it's all about choices. We have choices all the time. And how empowering is that to know, you know, to choose to be in your song or, or to go sleep? <laughs> you know, the choices. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want that. I want what he has too. He had, and you guys have, you know, and that's what I keep striving for because, some of the other the, some of the other words that you said that I wrote down that was like <clears throat> your perspective of them is they the words you use they were clear and the that feeling you emoted about them being clear like it wasn't just they were speaking clearly because in some reason there was a language barrier it was this clarity of who they were but you could feel it like a crystal like they were energetically clear they were you know they weren't babbly you know that that word you use that clear it was like yeah case that way mm -hmm. <laughs> i just like that's one of the ways i would describe it. that day that i met you i keep going back i mean forever the first day when you walked out of there will be ever imprinted in my mind of you know that I always joke about you not making me puke yet is a good sign because my <laughs> you know that fear gets rattled so much you sometimes think lunch is going to come up um but I you know thank god I want it more than I'm afraid um but that the there's a clarity radiating off and what was the, the other one in the freedom the freedom, you know, it, and there is no way I would have known those two words that day, you know, that that was, those were the two things I was so caught up in. Um, do I stay or do I go? You know, it's this like, <laughs> do I get back in the car? And, you know, or <laughs> like, I worried about the plane tickets. I'm here. I might as well stay. You know, it's, <laughs> there's no like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll survive this, whatever it is. Um, thank God. I mean, so many times are not God. Thank myself. Thank my song. Uh, but those, I, yeah, those two words, that freedom. Like I love, you know, your the the way you keep describing Chia's. The way I often describe you. You know, it was like they're that and I, you know, I think when I began, you know, I is different from where I am that, you know, it's just I, I know I, in my song, I want to be myself. But there are there are goals in life to be that kind of free woman. You know, just, you know, it, it was like not not to be Chia, not to be you, but to be that kind of free, strong, you know, and when I say free, it's like the freedom is not just of the mind in the emotions, you know, it's the, the health freedom too, to be strong and upright. And, you know, it, it 
I, I just, that's um, all the other magic that you're teaching us, you know, things that truly blow my mind every time we have a class, like I did that, that happened. That wasn't in some paranormal book I wrote or, or that somebody wrote or I read. Um, I did that. You know, that's fabulous. But that freedom to be that clear, clean, and that strong and that free. I call it the, the freedom to be authentic because you're not, you're not constrained by what other people think. You know, I still find... I'm at least aware when that does click, click in, you know, mm -hmm. and then I can choose not to <laughs> go down that road anymore, or I could choose to, <laughs> but that to be my authentic self, to know who I really am, that, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So Kate, why does it scare us? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I, why does something so beautiful uh, you know, scare us so bad that I, I wanted to get back in the car. I did get back in the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I was surrounded by people. It was a group thing that I paid for to come to, and I almost turned around. You're on a dark hill. <laughs> it took you years to get there. Yeah. yeah. One thing they had is they did not have babble, thought babble, the mask babbles, the blind beliefs, the, the entrapment of, of culture, keeping them in, in, in a little box. They were just completely free of it. And, and living that and seeing the world for what it was and how alive it was and how interactive, how beautiful, exquisitely beautiful. And certainly didn't have the words for it at the time, but that feeling radiating out of them, their energies is so big, big energy, and they're physically you know, strong, agile, lots of, of perkiness and uh, this, that, that energy that's there that's keeping them just being it at such a, a strong level. Uh, they wouldn't have any of that if they had the babble. It took me a lot of years to see that, to realize that. That that's what they're trying to get rid of in me and help others to get rid of it, to be passing it on. What they passed on to me was very specifically so that I could learn it as completely as I could learn it, so I could pass it on to others in my own culture, in, in my English language, and be accurate, not lose anything, and to teach that freedom for everybody. Because to them, you know, this world's coming to an end, and we, we need to be in... <laughs> A little bit more of a hurry to to learn these things to as they would say wake up when when you get rid of that enculturization and entrapment and you're free of it that's that's what they call waking up and they want that for the whole world for the whole modern culture and all all the other cultures that are here on our planet is for all of humanity. And what they said over and over, it's not impossible. It only takes one person to change the world. And 
that would be living what they're learning, spreading it out, and teaching in every, every way possible so that we hit that, that hundredth monkey effect for the, all of humanity, and all of humanity starts waking up and noticing these things, and, and this old uh, box, the old cage of, of our dying world drops away. And when we can drop it away, let go of it, we can make a new world. We can make the world anything we want. They used to say, dream the dream. Dream the dream. What do you want in your new world? How would you like it to be? And they would emphasize that um, the world that's dying away is of the energy that is backwards and upside down, uh, like a wheel, backwards turning wheel, and it destroys everything in its path and itself. And we're seeing the end. It's destroying itself. Here it goes. We cannot pick up a single piece from what has fallen apart on the old wheel. Not a single piece. We have to build the new world out of completely new thinking, new feeling, new ideas. One of the reasons our world didn't work as well as some of some people would would like it to be that it ended up um, being such a backwards turning wheel and and destroying everything and we see it all around us is that the time before when the world before that ended and that was at the beginning stages uh, of being a new world people tried to pick up all the pieces of their old world that they knew and build what we're looking at, what's dying away, to build that world out of the broken pieces. And it never works. In the world before that, they did the same thing. They saw it. They had, they had memories of it. They knew what happened before them. It happened over and over again. And this time we can't do that. We can't let that happen. It has to be new ways of thinking, new ways of feeling, new ways of, of living. Lots of heart, heart-centered. This is called the era of the heart. We're, what's dying away is the, the era of the third chakra which has a lot to do with, with power over others. It's, when it goes sour, it turns into power over others and destruction. And that's, that's what we see. That's what we were raised with. But the new world has to be the world of the heart. It has to come from the heart. No old pieces. No old ways of thinking, no, no old habits of thinking, no old, old habits of feeling. We have to just let all of that be gone. Just shed it like a snakeskin. It's a beautiful segue about our weavings coming up. <laughs> ah, the weavings. Okay, we are past the hour, so. Oh, that went <laughs> by way fast. <laughs> There's no way. It was I think we're going to continue this theme with, with Tamana and Chia and what, who they were and what they taught and what it was that you wanted and all this cool stuff. But, um, I think you should leave it here for the day and and continue on in the next in the next talk. And yeah, the weavings are one of the things that are coming up, and um, 
if you want to learn more, this is where you can go. Um, at katasi.com and lauraketty.com. You can check out what's there and, and, and contact us if you want to talk with us. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Any last thoughts? Nothing. We're good. We're good. Just basking in the fabulousness of it all. Gratitude. Okay. Well, I like that word gratitude. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is, uh, I could never even say enough to express how much gratitude I have to the Hedekas. And I did have another teacher later too who um, taught the pre-flood Egyptian teachings. And I learned what she had to teach as well. And they're, they're remarkably similar. <laughs> remarkably similar. But if you look at what they say is their history they're coming from the same place. So, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And gratitude to the students. Because it means, it means so much to me. It meant so much to my teachers and the Egyptian teacher, because she said the same thing about this has to come out now. This has to be passed on. And she was really worried that she was the last of, of her thread from her, her teachers who came out of Egypt. Okay, we're going we're gonna to continue this next time. I definitely want to dive deeper into this. We'll, we'll figure it out. Thank you again. Laura and Laura, thank you so much, Kay. Thank you, Laura and Laura and Helmut Thanks, for making everybody. this possible. Thanks for everybody joining us live and for those listening later and katasi.com and lauraketty.com if you want to learn more. And we see you next time. See you next time. Love you all. Love you. Bye-bye.